It's 1201 AM Pacific, which means two things. It's a new day in California, and something just dropped on Disney Plus, right in the middle of primetime viewing. This review is sponsored by Athletic Greens, the makers of AG1. Go to athleticgreens.com Dan for a special offer and stay tuned after this review for more info. Hello, everybody, and welcome to my review for Disenchanted, the sequel to 2007's Enchanted, which is now streaming on Disney+. It's a long-awaited sequel. Taking over as director is Adam Shankman, who has helmed previous movie musicals, including Hairspray and Rock of Ages. Brigitte Hales is credited with the screenplay for the film in her feature writing debut. Amy Adams returns as Giselle, the former princess of the magical animated world of Andalasia, who has now settled down in our world with her real-life prince-slash-lawyer, Robert, played by a returning Patrick Dempsey. Disenchanted is set about 10 years after the first movie and has Giselle and Robert move from the hustle and bustle of New York City to the sleepy suburb of Monroeville, a move that makes her now teenage daughter Morgan unhappy with her dad and stepmother. I know it's hard to start over someplace new. I did it once, not really on purpose, but I found that you just have to look at things the right way. Oh no. After a series of mishaps, Giselle wishes for a return to the fairy tale life she left behind, which transforms Monroeville into Monrelasia and the town's queen bee Malvina Monroe into Monrelasia's literal evil queen. The magic also allows Giselle's chipmunk friend Pip to talk in the real world, with a voice provided by fellow Schmodown veteran Griffin Newman. But darker transformations also begin as the consequences of Giselle's wish become more and more apparent. It's turning me into a, a what? Wicked stepmother. What? Come on. <gasps> While the two movies are not similar, my approach to this movie and Hocus Pocus 2 are somewhat the same in the sense that I didn't come into Disenchanted with this huge anticipation from loving the first movie because I actually didn't see Enchanted until a few months ago. So much like that sequel to Hocus Pocus, this is something that a lot of people are going to be very hotly anticipating because they loved that first movie. That's not exactly where I'm coming from. I will say, I think this is a better movie than Hocus Pocus 2, which is a movie that I already enjoyed. Despite only seeing it a short time ago, I did find the first Enchanted film charming and entertaining, and I found Disenchanted to be the same, even if the novelty of the premise is somewhat worn off. Amy Adams is a huge reason for the success of both movies. Her naivete in Enchanted was the source of so much of that movie's humor and audience appeal, and she brings that same Giselle into this movie, but not to the point where it seems like she has been stuck in time, like she's been living in our world forever and hasn't learned anything. It's this combination of the Giselle from the first movie and a Giselle that's lived in our world for 10 years. But Amy Adams also gets to flex a bit of a darker side with Giselle that we haven't seen before, and while it may not be right for this franchise, sign me up for whatever movie allows Amy Adams to play a full-on, over-the-top, scenery-chewing villain, much like Susan Sarandon played in the first Enchanted movie. Whatever movie will allow her to do that, I am in line for it because she proves in this film that she is up to that task. Patrick Dempsey gets a few more notes to play in the sequel than he did in the first movie, which is nice. There is far too little of James Marsden as Edward. He was a highlight from the original Enchanted, but what we do get of him is pretty stellar. Robert! <laughs> Congratulations on the increasing size of your progeny. Thank you. Your dwelling... Uh, are you poor now? 
After being denied a song in the theatrical cut of Enchanted, Adina Menzel makes up for lost time by belting out a few tunes in her signature voice. More on that later. And as the teenage Morgan, Gabriella Baldacchino does well playing both the insecure and disaffected teen from the beginning of the film and the almost Giselle-like, eternally optimistic fairy tale version of Morgan later in the movie. In addition to the cast as Maya Rudolph as Malvina, she has big shoes to fill because Susan Sarandon played such a great evil queen in the first film. Because you change the circumstances a little bit, you don't have to just do a repetition of that character like, oh look, there's another queen in Andalasia that's going to be a big threat. I like how they establish her character as the unofficial queen of the small town so that when everything gets fairy taleized, of course she does become the actual queen. This one time she made a forest entirely out of M&Ms and had it delivered to my class by pigeon. That's right. <laughs> no one beats her at this kind of stuff. Huh. <laughs> is that so? And Maya Rudolph is so great at playing this sort of over-the-top dramatic, but not too dramatic, deliciously evil kind of villain. Malvina's a role that had to be pulled off really capably for this movie to work as well as it should work, and they're lucky to have gotten Maya Rudolph, who, by the way, has great musical chops as well. Returning to write the songs for the film and the music are the Academy Award-winning duo of Alan Menken and Steven Schwartz, who won two Oscars for their work together on 1995's Pocahontas. Three of their songs for Enchanted were nominated for Best Original Song at the Academy Awards, although none of them won. And you can tell that Disney and the composers are putting all of their eggs in the basket of a song in this movie called Love Power. It's what they call on Broadway an 11 o'clock number. It's sung by Adina Menzel, a bombastic song belted out like only Adina Menzel can, full of emotional proclamations about, well, the power of love. It's called Love Power. It's a really good song and it's performed well by Adina Menzel, but I think that we have what I like to call a we don't talk about Bruno situation. If you remember last year with Encanto, they pushed the song Dos Oreguitas for the best original song nomination, which it got not knowing that we don't talk about Bruno was going to be the breakout hit of the film. It didn't get nominated for best original song at the Academy Awards, but it was kind of performed on the Oscar ceremony itself. Here we have Love Power, which is both in the movie and over the end credits, which is a double hey Oscar notice me song. But the song that I actually came out of the movie loving was one called Batter. Batter is the showdown song between Giselle and Malvina around halfway through the movie that embraces the deliciously devilish rivalry between these two characters. I thought it was easily the best song in the movie. I actually rewound my screener to watch that number again before I sat down to write this review, and I suspect that there are going to be a lot of other people that do that as well. Love Power is the one that's going to get the Oscar push. It may very well win. It's, it's the kind of song that often wins an Academy Award, but Batter is the one that's going to be making its way onto my playlist and I think onto a lot of other people's playlists that watch this film. The other songs in the movie are perfectly acceptable Disney cheer. They didn't really catch on quite as much as the other two songs in this movie and several of the songs in the first Enchanted, but you can kind of see where the extra effort went on a few of these numbers. Disenchanted comes out of the gate a little bit slowly, but once the fairy tale stuff kicks in, it really recaptures a lot of the magic and charm of the first movie. It hits the requisite sequel beats, callbacks to the first movie, a change in character dynamics, a slightly watered down version of some of the jokes we've seen before, but it still manages to stay a step ahead of being a total retread, mostly thanks to Amy Adams' wholehearted embrace of the new side of Giselle that we get to see. 
Disenchanted was announced mid-pandemic back in December of 2020 as a movie that was going straight to Disney+, and so there really was no going back on that strategy for Disney, which I think is really a shame because I think that Disenchanted would have made an absolute killing at the box office over this holiday season, especially when you look at the fact that it doesn't have a whole lot of competition in the family market. Really, Disney itself would have been the biggest competition because it's releasing its animated film Strange World over the Thanksgiving holiday. Things have changed in the world of entertainment since Disney announced this movie nearly two years ago, and the whole stream Streaming only or streaming first strategy is falling a little bit by the wayside in favor of a more even-handed combination of traditional release and streaming only. I think if Disney had the chance to do this all over again, then it might have perhaps released Disenchanted over this holiday frame and pushed Strange World to the spring or the summer of next year, but Disney doesn't have a magic wand. They can't just wish away corporate strategy with a little bit of fairy magic. The good news for fans of Enchanted and for Disney fans is that Disenchanted is now streaming right now as of the second this review dropped on Disney Plus for all subscribers, so you can go watch it right now. I mean, you probably have paused this review already and gone to watch Disenchanted, but it's an overall recommendation for me. I think it's a really cute movie. I think it's a fun movie. It's got a couple of standout numbers. It has some great performances, and I think if you're making plans for a movie to watch together with the family at home over this Thanksgiving holiday or just over the weekend if you're not in the United States, then I think that this is going to be a really solid choice, and I think it's going to entertain a lot of people. So those are my thoughts on Disenchanted. What do you think? Will you be checking it out on Disney Plus. Do you wish you could see it in theaters? Let me know down in the comments below. And before we go, I'd like to thank the sponsor for this video, Athletic Greens, the makers of AG1. I started taking it because I'm looking to support better gut health and an overall better me. But what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. Taking AG1 is super simple. I can either put a scoop right into a cup of water or mix it into a shake at home. Either way, it's a quick and tasty way for me to start the day off right and make sure I'm supporting not only my gut health, but my immune system, my recovery and focus, and so much more. AG1 is lifestyle friendly and contains less than one gram of sugar with no GMOs or artificial anything. And Athletic Greens also cares about the world. They're a climate neutral certified company and for every purchase, Athletic Greens donates to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry right here in the United States. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com Dan. Again, that is athleticgreens.com Dan, D-A-N, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thanks to Athletic Greens. Check out the description for that link to the special offer. And thank you for watching. I'll be back very soon with more movie news, reviews, box office, and more. Until then, stay safe, and I'll see you next time. Bye.